As you know, we often play sound effects or music off the top of this podcast, a scene setter or a grabber. Today's episode is about how the human brain responds to emergencies and crises. So the thought dawned on us that we could play a police or ambulance siren off the top. And then we had a more rational thought that, because even though you would know it's part of the show, your initial response before you really had a chance to think about it might be to panic and to look for that siren wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing. And then realizing that you'd been tricked, you'd rightfully be a little ticked off. Today on Stories and Strategies, how our brains respond in crisis mode. My name is Doug Downs. My guest this week is Dr. Stephen Jordans, Professor of Psychology at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Hello, Dr. Jordans. Hey, Doug. Great to be with you today. Good to have you. You know, I grew up in Scarborough, so uh, where you work is is Ah. definitely my neck of the woods. And you're joining us today from New Brunswick, right? On Canada's East Coast. I, I am indeed. My uh, mother and our family are here, so so we're here to eventually visit once we go through our little self-isolation period. <laughs> nice. Um, and Bay yeah. of Fundy, if, if, for listeners, anyone who's ever in New Brunswick, yeah. Bay of Fundy is incredible. So beautiful. Yeah. Dr. Jordans, you are a psychologist, a 3M National Teaching Fellow from 2015, a director of the Advanced Learning Technologies Lab at U of T, which is the short form for University of Toronto. And on the U of T website, um, you list your specialties as consciousness, memory, and attention. And and just so you and I are all good, those are definitely not my specialties, but I'll I'll do my best if, if that's okay. Okay. I, let me let me also mention that much more recently, um, my work is more applied and, and really focuses on education as well. So I've taken some of these things about consciousness, memory, and attention, and, and found real world applications. Fantastic. Good to be aware yeah. of that, Dr. Jordans. You are speaking at a virtual conference coming up in October of this year about the brain in times of stress or crisis, and we'll have more about that conference in a few minutes. But first, yeah. I know. How our brains are wired to respond in a crisis is going to ultimately connect back to when our ancestors were afraid of things jumping out at us in the Serengeti or wherever, and we hadn't quite developed the great big brains that we now have. So can you explain the triune brain theory and which part of the brain responds the fastest? So, so I mean, I think this is a really important thing, especially in this age of COVID for us all to understand, because we like to think of ourselves so much as rational beings who do things for, you know, good thought out reasons. But in fact, at our core, we are very primitive. And when things like threats um, emerge, it's that primitive part of the brain that takes over. So specifically, um, there's, there are parts of the brain, the amygdala, the hippocampus, that, that really are geared for helping us deal with threats and learn while we do. And, and the amygdala specifically uh, is about as close as we can come to to what we colloquially call the spider sense. When we, if, if you Spider-Man fans who kind of know that when there's danger around, he feels his spider sense tingle. Well, we have this thing called the amygdala. All our sensory input goes through it. And if the amygdala senses a potential danger, it switches our body into a very primitive way of being. Um, Literally, we will feel ourselves become energized, our our heart rate will increase, our breathing will increase, and, and blood will flow to our muscles. And it will make us sort of 
superhuman in a sense. We hear these stories of like a mother lifting a car to save a trapped child. That is when this system is, is engaged. Uh, and it is meant to help us deal with an immediate crisis. It is not one that likes a lot of thought. It's kind of like, don't think, do. And, and what are you going to do? Well, you're either going to confront the situation uh, dead on or you're going to get away. Uh, and so we sometimes call this the fight or flee system for that reason. And it's all kicked off by the amygdala. Okay, and beside the amygdala, or awfully close, you mentioned the hippocampus, which yeah. in layperson's terms is, I call it the facilitator of medium and long-term memory. In short, if the hippo doesn't allow a memory to be filed, you don't remember it. So how is our memory impacted in a crisis? Yeah, I mean, it, this is, it turns out this is a very complex question. Um, and when you go to the research, um, you know, we, we, we can't manufacture crises. Like, it's not ethical to do experiments where we, you know, suddenly put somebody in a life or death situation that they weren't expecting and then see what happens. Uh, and so the data we have is, is imprecise. Um, but largely, there's, there's a couple of interesting things. And one of the things I'll note that will give you a sense of the hippocampus is if you're in a situation, and let's say you were just walking in the woods and you smelled something. Uh, you didn't know what it was. You didn't think much of it. And then a little while later, this predator emerges. Uh, your fight or flee system kicks in and let's say you escape. Uh, the hippocampus, as part of that process, when the amygdala kicks in, the hippocampus is given the instruction to, to encode, which is what it does, encode information into memory, especially anything that was happening just before the predator stepped out. And what the brain is essentially doing is trying to predict in the future so that the next time when you're in those woods and you smell that smell, that can be enough to kick you into fight or flee mode even before you see the predator. Uh, and so it's meant to prepare you so you can react quicker. But this is also the same system that produces post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, you know, in that exact same way that we could be in a coffee shop and a shooter walks in, maybe just before the shooter walked in, coffees were, was being ground. And now when we hear coffee ground, we feel like we're about to die. Um, it's that same sort of primitive system. And, and, you know, it evolved for one reason, and then it sometimes shows itself in different ways. You know, what's amazing in listening to you is I'm realizing I'm not in charge of my own mind. So how does that inhibit my ability to respond in a crisis? Because I can't plan for it. I can't prepare for it. Yeah, and, and the system almost doesn't try. So part of that, part of the system kicking in is also a reduction of blood flow to the frontal lobes. So our frontal lobes are the most recent part where we do all of our strategic decision making and, you know, deep thinking and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you're exactly right. At a time of crisis, it's kind of like your brain just loses that. Uh, ability. And it's not about thinking. It's not about rationality. It's about surviving, literally. It, these, are, these are meant to be sort of short-term acute stresses where you either take on that predator and, and, and hopefully win, or you get the heck away. And it's almost like that's what your decision space gets restricted to, um, you know, attack or, or flee. And um, it is a very primitive reaction, and it's one that's gotten us where we, where we are after centuries. But, but the world is so different now, sometimes the system doesn't quite fit. I've heard my pupils actually dilate when I'm scared. Yeah. Is that true? So I see things much bigger than they actually are. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, one way, because I, I know where we're going to kind of go with, with this a little bit. So let me just sort of highlight. Um, there's, this is what we've been talking about is sort of one side of a two-sided coin. There's, there's sort of two modes that we are in. And the, the opposite mode is associated with relaxation and digestion. 
And so when you're kind of sitting on the couch, this is what we call the parasympathetic mode. Um, all your digestive process, so you have more saliva in your mouth, your pancreas, your liver, all those things kick in and your breathing actually slows and your, your heart rate slows. Uh, and your pupils constrict. And so it's kind of like you're just blending into that couch and, and getting away from the world. But yeah, if suddenly you hear a crash outside and, and suddenly you think there's danger, it's like a light switch. And part of that is indeed you know, your brain wanting information from the outside world because it's now got to deal with the outside world. So it dilates the pupils. It couldn't dilate the ears. <laughs> we don't have that ability. But, but I think psychologically, that's also going on. All of our senses are being tuned. We're getting a really strong input and we're becoming physically stronger and ready to take on or get away from what's going on. And so it's kind of like we're in one of these modes or the other um, at any given point in time. One, let me just make this point, the, the, the digestion one is about long-term survival. It's kind of like maintaining your body for the long-term. The um, fight or flee is about short-term survival. You have a threat right now. Forget about the long-term. Stay alive for the next half hour. The big thing um, that I really like to recommend is, is something called guided relaxation or learning to formally relax. Uh, it's that opposite side of the system so that when you're anxious or when somebody else is anxious, what they tend to do when they want to not be anxious is focus on the anxiety. You know, don't think that thought, don't do whatever. Uh, and that just kind of makes the anxiety stronger. Metaphorically, the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out, uh, I would think is one of the best at explaining the brain. In this scene, the opening scene of the movie, newborn baby Riley is just getting to know her brain and the emotions, a.k.a. the characters, within it. It was amazing. Just Riley and me, forever. Oh, for 33 seconds. I'm sadness. Oh, hello. I, I'm Joy, so... Can I just... If you could... I just want to fix that. <laughs> Thanks. And that was just the beginning. Headquarters only got more crowded from there. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's right, parent! Ah, look out! That's Fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? High back! Oh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Good Thank job. you very much. And we're back. Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Uh, okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! <laughs> well, I just saved our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you wanna play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right, here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh. Airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. <laughs> so yeah, you know, all, all very cool. So first of all, just to yeah, come back to the technique in general. 
our brains are not good at listening to the same kind of input for a long period of time. They start to fatigue and we kind of drift. But if you can change things up at any point in time, and so if we kind of consider with that clip, you know, we went from you and I sharing a bunch of words to suddenly, you know, different sounds and, and, and a different characterization of what we were already talking about, about emotions being in control and, and how they are kind of, you know, the pilots and, and the rest of us more spectators almost. Uh, and so we can make that point and highlight it in a different way, in this case, a visually different, auditorily different way. And it just kind of gives our brain a refreshment. It's, it's almost like that, that food we eat between courses that just kind of refreshes our mouth and our taste buds. And now we're ready to go back to things. And so certainly as, as we talk about things like online learning, for example, this is a thing a lot of professors are learning. They, they used to just walk into a classroom and talk for, for an hour and they try to do that online and it doesn't work very well. There are too many distractions. And so if you don't take time to kind of re-engage people now and then, their brain will drift to something they find more enjoyable. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely a, a very important technique to just change things up every now and then, keep people fresh. I love it, right? You know, it, um you're going right to analysis of, of what we're doing with the communication of the podcast with these, these interludes. I love it. Is there, yeah. um, is there a fundamental difference between my brain in a crisis and my brain in stress? And, and what I mean is how does my mm -hmm. brain respond differently between event related crisis? Oh my goodness, there's a saber tooth and yeah. chronic day after day stress did our ancestors have this kind of day after day stress stuff that we at least feel like we're living with yeah so so there the answer biologically is there isn't a whole lot of difference it is true that once some danger even covid for example becomes a little more familiar once we kind of learn ways of existing with it it becomes a little less scary so our response might not be as aggressive as it as it would be you know to a predator or a gun person standing in front of us right away but but in terms of what's going on in the body it's very similar it's very much like we talked about and it's got a real negative aspect and and this is from the work of Hans Selye many years ago where he showed that if you have chronic stress um, it's really, it's the acute stress system that's dealing with that over time and it wasn't meant to, and it leads to, in fact, your immune system being negatively impacted. So at the time of COVID, obviously the last thing we want are compromised immune systems. Uh, but this is why people who have been dealing with chronic stress often show more physical illness as well, uh, because their immune system just isn't up to the challenge uh, as it is for someone who isn't dealing with this every day. Uh, and this is why, you know, COVID really has the potential to make us all feel chronic stress. Um, I think it has been doing so. And, and that's the biggest reason why I think we need to learn strategies for getting away from it now and then. It'll come back because, you know, the stressor is out there. But if we can give ourselves a break every, every now and then, and especially if we can give our, ourselves a break doing things that are sort of anti-stressors. Every, everything in the brain comes down to, hormones and, and chemicals, uh, it seems, that are released in the body. And certainly stress um, causes, you know, a buildup of, of negative chemicals. But then there are things like, I don't know, doing karaoke with your family. Um, you know, an hour of karaoke with your family will lead probably to singing, laughing, some dancing, some silliness, and all of that floods your body with endorphins that um, sort of counter the stress response. And so, you know, learning to schedule some of this time into our day, uh, I think is very critical now to kind of undo the damage that this chronic stress response can do.
Fantastic. I know the event you're speaking at in October is called the Virtually Crisis Conference. It's being presented by the Center for Crisis and Risk Communications and includes other presenters such as, what a great list, Dr. Vincent Cavello, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, who has been Alberta's medical rock star during COVID, Dr. Timothy Coombs from the United States, and many other world-renowned experts. What can people expect from you at that conference? Well, I, I mean, I, I hope what I can do is sort of two things. One is just a clear understanding of why we're all feeling like we do now, uh, that it's, you know, a complete natural part of the biological system that, that composes us, but also more specifically some, some concrete strategies and approaches that people can take um, literally to learn to manage because the real nasty kind of thing happens uh, as a feedback loop between our body and our mind. And, and we can literally start thinking something negative that makes our body react the way it does. And that makes us more stressful and we get this loop going. Um, and if we can learn to kind of cut that off and, and there are way, two ways to do that, to either silence the body or to learn how to pull the mind somewhere else. And, you know, just like my karaoke example that I just gave you, this, this stuff can sound kind of geeky and scientific until you say, this is what I mean. And then suddenly it seems like, oh, well, that's something I could do. That, that kind of makes sense. And yes, I do feel happier when I'm, you know, singing Beatles songs or, or something like that. Uh, and so that's what I hope to give is, is some clear tips and suggestions that people can take from this and, and apply to their lives and, and literally you know, help others too. If I can mention this just quickly to take off from where we were, um, imagine you have an elderly person in your life who, who's feeling very lonely and stressed and you're worried about them. You know, you, should, you definitely want to keep in touch with them. That's great. But if you could create a playlist of songs that were popular wherever they were when they were 15 years old, and you can somehow, you know, be able to play that playlist for them, you will see them time travel. You will see them go back to their youth, um, which in most cases will be a happy thing. They will love the songs. They will resonate to them. And a lot of my examples involve music because music is such a powerful memory cue. Uh, and so, you know, that's the kind of thing you can do that for, for a loved one. And, you know, an hour of your time to put together a playlist could really give them a break from some of the anxiety that they're feeling. What a fascinating discussion today. Um, Dr. Jordans, thank you so much for your time today. No problem. And thank you very much. Best wishes at the conference in October. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Dr. Stephen Jordans, you can email him at steve.jordans, which has a double O, at utoronto.ca. If you're curious about that Virtually Crisis Conference, you can get a special discount just by being a listener to this podcast. To register, go to the website for the Center for Crisis and Risk Communications. We've provided a link to it in the show notes here. The conference is featuring an amazing cast of speakers. If you decide to attend, simply enter into the corporate ID box these letters, SNS. J-G-R. We've also put that code in the show notes to this podcast episode. Now with that ID, you'll get 15% off. The conference pass sells for $595. Right now it's in early bird pricing, which is $395. So with that 15% off, it's $336 for you right now. And all those prices are Canadian prices. So for American listeners and British listeners, it's even less expensive for you. 
And just for full disclosure, you will see on the website for the Center for Crisis and Risk Communications that I am listed as a senior consultant. I have done project work with them in the past just due to my experience and I will no doubt do so again. I do not receive any money or any other consideration connected to this conference. I think it's a great conference and this discount is just for you if you're interested. If you liked what you heard today, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're listening on. And would you do us a favor, recommend this podcast to one friend. If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note, would you please, at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.